Welcome back to the show. In today's conversation, I get to speak with Drew Vernon, who is a childhood development expert. He works, he's, he's had a lot of different careers, um, but right now he's really involved in creating opportunities for children to develop their creativity. And so especially for any homeschooling parents out there, Today, we're going to discuss the impacts of screen time on your children's development. We're going to discuss some really good tips for how to help your child develop their own creative process. And we're going to talk about uh, how to help facilitate more interactive, creative play for your children. Drew has worked for Lego, so really cool because my son absolutely loves Legos. I love Legos now because of him. Um, but this is really important when you are a freelancing dad and your family is homeschooling, especially, and your kids are home and you're trying to figure out how to reduce the screen time, how to give them more productive, creative play. Drew's the guy to talk to on that. And so we're going to talk about some tips and advice for that today. And if you want to get in contact with him, be sure to look at the links below. <laughs> I'd like to welcome Drew Vernon to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chad. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Drew today about his entrepreneurial journey, and he's had some experience with with freelancing and starting businesses, and he's currently in, in, involved in in something that he'll get into more details about with childhood development. And uh, so, for all of you who have children, especially if you're homeschooling and you deal with screen time. Um, and you're trying to figure out what to do with that. Drew's going to have some tips on that as well. So, Drew, I wanted you to first introduce your us to your your story a bit about your 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 career journey. Uh, what brought you to where you are today? Some of the highlights, and um, so we can get to know a little bit more about what you're involved in. Sure. Uh, well, yeah. Thanks again for having me. I'm happy to be on the show. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about my journey, I've uh, been interested in business and marketing for a long time. Uh, I went to college for business. Uh, I started out actually as a stockbroker, which wasn't my my thing. So I went back to school. I uh, got an MBA in brand and product management from the University of Wisconsin, and then started my marketing career at Procter and Gamble. Uh, and there, I worked on a variety of big brands, looking at uh, new business creation, particularly, which was not just looking at the new line extension, but what was the new technology that could uh, turn into a new brand. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth. Uh, so I started there. I ended up taking a job uh, for Jurgens Body Lotion, where I launched a, a brand called Jurgens Wet Skin Moisturizer. And, and again, learned a lot about marketing. But after about five years in beauty consumer packaged goods, I just wasn't uh, naturally curious or naturally enthusiastic about you know selling mascara and, and lotions. So that's when I took kind of a an industry pivot and went into the toy industry and I took a job at Lego uh, where I managed the preschool business uh, for them. Uh, I had been a fan of Lego since I was a child and I kind of rediscovered my passion for building, my passion for uh, the brand. Uh, during that time I also started my own daycare in Connecticut. Uh, it was a drop-in daycare um, so I had some good experiences there. And then most recently, about two and a half years ago, I moved to a company called Tony's, which is originally from Germany, and uh, I helped them launch uh, the product into the United States. Uh, and so that's currently uh, where I find my my main uh, attention. That's really cool. Um, my son absolutely loves Legos. So I have two boys, three and six, and uh, the three-year-old is just starting to get interested in Legos. He's following his brother's lead. Um, I mean, literally behind me, there's a table that has 
a, a Jurassic World setup that my son's been building for weeks. Um, so we're super enthusiastic about Legos in this house. And uh, it's it's exciting what it can do for creative development. And um, so I wanted to ask you, what are what are some insights you have for parents who are trying to figure out um, let, let's, especially for parents who are even homeschooling and, and more involved in their kids' education, what are some insights and tips that you have for how to, uh, help them develop their creativity and how to teach kids how to understand their creative process and how should they go about starting that, especially as they start, their kids start to get to an age where they're just searching for that and, and how do we provide that to them as parents? Yeah, I think based on my experience, it's it's helpful to to take a look at the creative process and to understand that kids are naturally curious, and and we need to do everything that we can as parents and as educators to help foster that curiosity. Uh, I like to give a little bit of an analogy uh, based on my time at Lego because uh, there are different types of play and different types of play patterns that can help kids learn and grow. And Lego is most known for selling. Lego kits, Lego sets. You buy a box and you dump it out and you have an instruction booklet that tells you what step one is, what step two is, and if you follow all the instructions, uh, you're going to end up with a rocket ship or a castle or or whatever the set is meant to be. And that's one type of play. Uh, That's important learning how to follow instructions and how to look at, you know, uh, a picture and to match the picture. that's one type of play. Another type of play, you'll say, well, uh, what if you just buy a, a big yellow bucket of bricks and you dump it out and there's no instruction booklet and just go crazy and, and build, you know, free building or whatever. And that's another type of play that's very unstructured. Uh, for most kids, you know, it's going to take some time to turn that rocket ship or to turn that uh, castle into something, you know, big and complex and, and you know, uh, Otherwise, it's it's probably going to be a much you know simpler, more basic version of the instruction-based set. So, my passion is outlining the gap between the two experiences. So we have a huge gap between the structured instruction-based play and the complete freeform play. And so, what I like to uh, to mention is what I call the guided masterpiece, which is not giving them all of the instructions, not giving all of the rules, but giving them guidelines and giving them creative prompts that help you get to that master build experience without just being completely unstructured. So I think a combination of using all of those types, and it can translate to other types of play experience as well, but to remove some of the parameters, um, but to offer guidelines is something that I think is a good tech for fostering creativity. That's really great uh, and, and helpful because I've, I've noticed there's times when my son just wants to grab random Legos and start building something. And what he's been working on with this whole like Jurassic Park thing is it started out with a Lego set, but then he's been adding all these different things to it from just random bricks that he's had. Um, and that there are those times where it's almost like he's searching for some starting point of like, Oh, there's all these different Legos. Like, what do I build? And then there's times where he just gets right into it. It's almost like there's there's just days where his brain's in a different space where he just has an idea of what he wants to build and other times where it's he needs some guidance. And then we've gone through instruction booklets and he sometimes likes to just build to that. But then it's like he seems to be more attracted towards just being able to build. But once he's built that thing or once he's gone through some instruction booklet, um, 
because he's good at looking at the visuals, but then he tends to sometimes want to skip steps as, as well. Like it's, do you feel like there's different types of kids and how they go about the creative process that maybe like, uh, you know, there, this, an approach has to be different to one kid versus another, or there's some things that are more universal? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's kind of both of those things. So obviously, uh, different kids have different styles. Some uh, are visual learners, some are tactile learners. Uh, and, and I think you need to adapt based on the style of the child. But I think uh, a few elements are universal, one of which is just being practice. Uh, the more you do something, the better you get at it. Uh, and if and I think the need to be constantly challenged as well. So if something is too easy or too simple, then try to remove one of the elements of support or try to remove one of the um, instructions and uh, put an increasing reliance upon the creativity of the child. And that's going to keep them challenged and keep them learning. So tell me a little bit more about what, what you're doing with with Tony's. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, the Tony Box is a, a really magical little device uh, that actually started over in Germany uh, by a couple of dads. They met on the board of a preschool together, and they noticed that their children's teacher was using CD player to play songs and stories in the classroom, and they thought to themselves, gosh, CDs have been around for 30 years or more. Uh, they scratch and they break, and uh, most importantly, little kids can't use them without the teacher. And so what they decided to do was to create a little speaker box uh, that's uh, based on a figure system. So we have these little figures called Tonys. They have uh, a magnet inside so that they stay on top of the box, and they have an RFID chip inside. When you place a figure on the box, it will download content, you know, different songs, different stories, and it will play it on demand for the child. And it removes the need for adult supervision. And so it puts the control into their hands to be able to have uh, immediate access to an on-demand audio library. And so it's this fantastic device. It grew in Germany. They sold a couple million of these things um, and expanded to the United Kingdom. And then they set their sights on the U.S. And so I helped launch the brand into the United States about two and a half years ago. And now we're going strong. We've got over 100 characters and uh, releasing more characters every week and uh, just trying to tell uh, more people about this amazing screen-free device for their kids. Well, anything like that, I, I love to get a hold of, and I, I encourage anyone listening to go go check those out because um, that is a very creative way to approach that. And, uh, yeah, we, we need more things like that um, that help a kid to operate something screen-free. Do you want to talk a little bit more about... Um, the what how screens having in, an impact on childhood development is there a positive side to it is there a time and place for it and um yeah just give a little bit of an introduction on on how you see screen time because obviously in our you know in 2022 we can't completely avoid screens to an extent but to what extent can we and should we especially at different ages of children growing up uh, you know, the guidance in the United States uh, is that we don't give any screen time for kids under two and that we limit screen time to an hour, hour a day uh, for kids two to five. And, you know, I tell that to people, they kind of chuckle, especially coming off of COVID uh, where the world changed. 
and we picked up some really bad habits. So not too long ago, back in 2020, our schools shut down, our childcare solutions shut down, people started working from home. And it was during that time that uh, parents uh, across the country started handing their kids smartphones and giving them Netflix shows. And uh, now that the pandemic has subsided, our bad habits remain. And so kids have been exposed to screens earlier than ever before and for longer periods of time than ever before. So to answer your question, there is a time and a place for screens. There's a lot of great educational content. And, you know, let's face it, not everything has to be educational, some entertaining content as well. but it really needs to come in moderation and it needs to come with an understanding of the negative effects of too much screen time, which are uh, an overdependence uh, and uh, the ability to focus and to draw attention. Uh, that's something that we're seeing more and more of. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of teachers as part of our education initiative. And one thing I hear time and time again is kids are increasingly unable to focus. Their social anxiety is going through the roof. And uh, I think a lot of this uh, can be attributed to an over-reliance of screens at home and in the classroom. So the great thing about the Tony Box is that it's a screen-free alternative. Uh, You can confidently uh, and happily give your child a Tony Box uh, and give them uh, the same opportunity to expose them to the world of stories and, and songs, but without them having, um, you know, their eyes glued onto a screen. Yeah. And, and I think that is a really great solution. Um, and, that, and that's interesting with uh, those different parameters of, you know, no screens under two. And betw- I've noticed that when, you know, we've gone through different phases of having babies and having uh, times where we're just like, okay, you just need to watch something so I can get this done. Um, but we've always been against them watching too much screen time. And we've noticed that when it slips and when, you know, our toddler has too much screen time, it like massively affects him even over. So like my six-year-old doesn't even, when he's engaged enough in various activities, he's not even searching for a screen and that ends up being an occasional, you know, recreational movie. Um, and and my kids don't have their own devices and, and we, there's times when we, okay, you know, let's say you're traveling or uh, and they have a device and they're watching a movie or something. I've just noticed the effect that it has on my three-year-old who is just barely two. Um, it it really affects the behavior and the. Uh, it's almost like they become more out of control with themselves, and then they almost it's like they it's like he asks. Then when he's having emotion, he asks for us some to watch something. Almost like oh, I need to just be brought out of this moment rather than allowing the emotion to go through. Um, and so, yeah, it does, uh, it can have a detrimental effect. And is that this literally the screen itself, regardless of what they're watching will have a certain type of effect or can sometimes the content produce different effects over others? Cause I've noticed too, that when my kids watch and then they've had times where they've watched like a show that is a bit kind of endless, like it goes from one episode to the next and, you know, maybe some Amazon prime show that, you know, the quality of the content is age appropriate, but it it puts them in a very mindless kind of state of like they could end up just watching episode after episode. Whereas when they get their when they engage into a movie that has this hour and a half time limit and they can get absorbed into a story, I notice it has a different effect on them when we like watch a family movie together opposed to them just watching a show in the background. It's almost like after a time they get 
really bored of it, but they don't want to stop watching. I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think there are a couple of factors at play here, and, and I should, you know, mention I'm I'm not I'm a marketer and and a dad and a childhood advocate. I'm not a scientist, um, so uh, there are probably more technical ways to describe it. But I think one element is just staring at the screen, and you know that's giving your children a dopamine hit. That's uh, you know engaging them. So there's an intoxicating element just to looking at the blue light. But I also think a lot of the content that's being developed is being developed uh, to to grab a child's attention. And so there's a lot of very punchy movements. There's a lot of just frenetic things going on. So it is different for an eight-minute episode of something or an 11-minute episode than it might be for a full-length feature film. Um, The other thing that I like to draw attention to is that when you're looking at a screen, you're being given the entire experience. It's a very passive experience where you are a consumer of the content. When you remove the screen, you remove the visual stimulus. And when you hear a story without a screen, there's uh, an active element, which is that you as the listener have the creative responsibility to imagine, to use your brain to to think of what's going on. And, you know, some people will say, hey, uh, I read Harry Potter, and then when I saw the movie, it wasn't like what I, I imagined it to be. Well, that's because when you read the book, you uh, drew up in your mind uh, how you thought it came together. And so that's an additional benefit of removing the screen is that it's a more active experience. It trains your focus on not only paying more attention, but actually contributing to the story that you're enjoying by visualizing in your own mind. Gotcha. And that's, that's a really good distinction. And, um, yeah, thanks for explaining that further. That's really helpful. So, um, I wanted to, uh, conclude our conversation by discussing just a couple of more, a couple of tips on how, how can parents, like, what are some tactics to help adjust screen time habits if they've fallen into bad habits with it, when other kids are used to a certain cadence or a certain rhythm with how much screen time they have, but they know they want it to change, what would you say is a great way to help transition that child? Because, um, you know, I've noticed in the past that we just say, okay, we have to, it's, it's been an hour and a half, uh, no more screen time, no more watching anything, um, but we don't have anything to replace it. It, it's much more difficult. Like, what are some strategies you have for helping a parent who's in the position of I want to change this, but we've gotten into bad habits, and uh, how do I how do I make this transition? Yeah, I like to think about it in a uh, a couple of ways, which is to distinguish kind of the the passive experience or the consumer experience from an active experience or a creative experience. And so, you know, apart from the Tony box, which is is a great resource that has, you know, an increasing library of stories that you can expose them to, uh, you know, books are great. uh, Other activities are great to give them something to uh, receive a stimulus, give them something to take in and then turn that into an active experience or creative experience to say, you know, what's your spin on this? What's, your take. So if you're listening to a story, for example, every good story uh, can be boiled down into a pretty common framework known as the hero's journey, uh, which, you know, for kids can really be summarized as there's a hero who has a challenge to overcome so that they can get to a goal or reward. So if you give your child a story, give them the exposure to the hero, tell them about how they overcame their challenge, and then try to pivot that into, okay, well now 
you're the hero of your story. What's, what's your challenge going to be? So, and they can write their own story, they can come up with their own challenge, or they can just use their creative thinking to uh, add different elements, and, and then hopefully there's going to be a reward at the end. So whether you're telling a story or you're drawing a picture or you're um, you know, building with Lego bricks, uh, that's the framework that I like to choose is, is to give them a stimulus, give them something, and then have them put their spin on it. That's great. I never thought about how some of it is um, their brain searching for a story. And so that's really good advice, even for myself, of when uh, that sometimes they want to watch something really underneath it all. Their brain is like, I want a story. I need a story. So let's find other ways of, of giving you this story to help take you on this journey um, that really uh, activate the brain a lot more. So yeah, that's really helpful. Was, is there anything else that you wanted to share with this audience today? Uh, I think kind of my overarching thesis is that childhood matters. Uh, you know, obviously we're all busy pe- people. We have our jobs, we have uh, responsibilities, wearing a lot of hats. Um, but I don't think we should undervalue or underappreciate the fact that this is an impressionable time it, as part of the human ex- experience. We all have a childhood. We all have one childhood. It goes away. And the things that we learn or don't learn have uh, an impact on how we grow as adolescents and adults. So that's not really a tip. That's just an awareness that as a parent of a child, you are in a unique position to help shape and enable that child's uh, potential and growth. And most parent, uh, parents know that. Uh, it's just something that we have to remind ourselves of every day. Uh, and I, I don't mention that to put a lot of pressure on parents or to tell them that they're doing anything wrong. It's just to say, hey, you know, keep that in mind. Like, remember that every day. And maybe if you do one more thing or one little extra thing to help your child, uh, it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, thanks for sharing that perspective. It's a theme that comes up a lot in our in our show of the importance of our children's lives that go by very quickly. And that's why I like to teach dads on how to start businesses at home and be able to be more involved in their child's life and for the parents to be able to have more time with their children to facilitate that kind of development. And so I'm really glad that uh, you are involved in this space and doing a lot of good and helping the next generation to be the future leaders of this world. So thanks for all you do and thanks for your time today. Pleasure's mine. Thanks again, Chad. It's been great to have a chat with you.